in a sermon series, I think we're up to part eight now, on the subject of giving and receiving, and we've just led the Lord, you know, to take a fresh look at that important subject, and there's a lot that we've learned so far, and one of the things that we've said about the importance of giving and receiving is that Father God wants you to have victory in your daily life, victory in your daily life, and you'll, you'll never have the full measure of victory in your daily life until you have victory in the area of your finances. And people say, well, you know, we shouldn't talk about these things in church. Well, Jesus did. I mean, Jesus had a lot to say about giving and receiving and money and our needs being met, our desires uh, being met. Uh, You do know that Jesus talked about more than what you need, right? He talked about what you need and what you desire and how to go about that. As we've said many times, there are, are things that we believe you know, God is not interested in at all that he is, uh, uh, has the utmost interest in. And one example of this is when Jesus' disciples were talking about who was the greatest, Jesus didn't rebuke them for desiring greatness. He instead told them how to be great because you were created to be great. And in the same way you were created to have authority and to be in control, in the same way that you were created to, to be right and for righteousness, and in the same way you were created for abundance and to live a life of abundance, uh, a life of more than enough. So these desires are, are not um, uh, illicit desires. In other words, it's not wrong for you to, to desire abundance. It's not wrong for you to, to desire uh, to be right. It's not wrong for you to desire to be in control. It's not wrong um, for you to, to desire even to be great. Remember when we were kids, we all, we all desired to be great when we were young, before we became jaded by, by the world system. You know, we aspired to be astronauts and rock stars and uh, score the winning touchdown in the Super Bowl and, and, and all of these things. And that's hardwired into us by God. So it's not that these desires or, or these longings in us are wrong. Where we get into error is how we go about it. We, we try to accomplish and fulfill these God-created uh, characteristics and attributes in, in our lives according to the world's ways and according to the world's system instead of according to God's way. So, for example, when the disciples desired to be great, Jesus didn't rebuke them for desiring greatness. He instead told them how to be great. And, of course, God's way of, of being great, which is, is the correct way, uh, is completely opposite to this world system. God's way of being great is to be a servant, is to humble yourself and, and, and serve. And um, have you all ever heard this ex- expression, what's good for the goose is good for the gander? Have you all have ever heard that? You know, um, or, or how about this one? Don't, uh, don't do what I do, do what I say. Um, well, listen, that, that's not how God operates, okay? In, in other words, God's not saying it's good for you, but not for him. He's not saying do, do what I say, but don't do what I do. He's modeled all of this for us. All of his ways are modeled for us in, in the earthly life and, and ministry of Jesus. Um, we see that there's, uh, Jesus has been given a name above every name, the name to which every tongue will confess and every knee will bow and, and confess that Jesus is Lord. And he's received the greatest promotion because he lived out and exemplified for us the greatest humility. So these things are, are not, uh, you know, incidental. They are absolutely uh, connected, but connected in a way for, for you and for me to uh, learn from these things. And to this morning, just in light of it being the Christmas season, I want to talk to you some more this morning about giving and receiving and, uh, and so specifically, I want to talk to you about the joy of giving, the joy of giving. Now, for those of you, again, who may be new to this, to the, uh, to this sermon series, this is not some effort on my part to whip you up into a frenzy and then pass the offering plate again. That's, it's here to help you. It's here for your benefit. And I want you to uh, see and understand these things. Amen? All right. Now, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about this because if, if you know the least you know, possible thing you could know about God, um, hopefully you know that God is a giver. God is a giver, okay? God is a giver. I want to say that multiple times. Now, we could spend the next two or three weeks uh, of our time together just looking at all that the Bible has to say about God being a giver. But what, what we know about God being a giver is, first of all, that um, He gives freely, Amen? Uh, And we'll look at a verse or two that that mentions this, but there's more than just one time the Bible says God gives freely. As a matter of fact, if you 
if you're familiar with the Bible word grace, um, grace, uh, loosely translated or interpreted, means um, free gift. Okay? So any time you read about God's grace, it's God's free gift. God's free gift. God's free gift. All right. uh, Romans 5, if, if you've not read that lately, um, read in there how many times God uses the word gift or free gift uh, in, in that passage. So it's clear, it's, it's, it could not be any more clear that uh, God is a giver and God gives freely, but aren't you glad that he also gives generously? God is a generous giver, amen? He gives generously. Are you okay this morning? Some of you look like you're thinking about all you still got to do before Christmas, okay? Amen. Let's dial in here for just a few minutes, okay? So God is a giver. He gives freely. He gives generously. But here's, here's one last part of this that I want to really zero in on this morning, is that God not only gives freely and generously, but he gives joyfully. He gives joyfully. What do we mean by that? God enjoys giving. He enjoys giving. He doesn't give, you know, oh, they're asking again. Let me see if I can do something. No, he, he actually finds tremendous joy in, in giving. And he created you and me in his image and likeness. In other words, he created you to look the way he looks, and he created you to function the way he functions. Now, we know that sin separated mankind from God, but we also know that Jesus came and provided a way for us to be born a second time. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says that being born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. So the new birth is not a figurative experience. The new birth is a literal experience. We were born spiritually a second time from the seed of God's word. And because of that, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says that we've now become a partaker of the divine nature of God. Ephesians 3, I believe it is, um, explains 2, I think. Yeah, Ephesians 2. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2 begins by talking about how we were once in darkness and once separated from, from God, and watch this now, were by nature children of wrath, just like everyone else. So when we sinned, sin affected us all the way to the, to the very nature level of, of, of our existence. This is why Jesus said, you must be born again. So now that we've been born again spiritually of God's um, incorruptible uh, word, his incorruptible seed, we've become partaker of the divine nature of God. So when we say that God is a giver, it's his nature to give. Amen? And not only is it, is his, it, is, is it his nature to give, it's his nature to give generously, and it's his nature to give joyfully. And because it's God's nature to give, and to give generously, and to give freely, and to give joyfully, and you've become a partaker of his nature, guess who else's nature it is? to give, to give freely, to give generously, and uh, to give joyfully. Amen. That's yours. That's your nature. That's your nature. Look, look at the person next to you and say, I'm a giver. Look at the person on the other side of you and say, it's my nature to give. It's my nature to give. This, this is your nature. Now, there's a whole lot of other things that became your nature when you were born again, right? And... The, of course, whole process of discipleship is for these uh, new birth realities, the realities of the new birth to become outward expressions of life, meaning the renewing of our mind. This is why the Bible talks so much about the renewing or the reconditioning of our minds. It's, it's one thing uh, to have the nature of, of giving, uh, God's nature of giving freely, generously, and joyfully, but it's another thing altogether for your thinking to line up with that, Amen. For instance, it's one thing for you to be made free from sin. It's another thing for you to learn how to think like someone who's free from sin so that you can live like someone who's free from sin. But just because you haven't fully developed in this area of, of thinking like a righteous man or woman, thinking like a free man or woman, th thinking like um, a giver, that doesn't mean it's not your nature. And that's what I think happens so many times at Christmas. And, and a lot of folks don't understand you know, this whole joy of Christmas and and. and you know, but what, what's happening is when, when we think about other people and buy gifts and give things, and, and it doesn't have to be even material things, um, I, want you, I want to challenge you with something, okay? Uh, from this point forward, wish everybody you can find a Merry Christmas. Just look them right in the face and say, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. 
Do you realize that there, there is a concerted, uh, and uh, well, you know, we, we talk about a conspiracy, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy theories. This is not a theory, all right? If you haven't figured it out by now, uh, the devil-ran uh, system of this world wants to take the word Christmas, Christmas out of Christmas, right? So now it's happy holidays, okay? And I know some store clerks are told, you tell people happy holidays so you don't offend them. When they say happy holidays to you, look them back in the eye and say, Merry Christmas to you, right? Amen. Praise God. It, uh, amen. We need to. All right. Let me, I'm getting carried away on this. Sorry. So, so um, it's Merry Christmas. Amen. But we talk about the joy of the season and all these other things. See, the joy of the season, what's happening is, especially those who've been born again, even if you haven't been born again, you were still created in the image and likeness of a giver, a generous free giver who finds joy in giving. Amen. And that, that there's, res, there's remnants of that even in the, in, the, in the nature of a person who's separated from God. And, and so, you know, when, when you give, you're tapping into and, and living out, expressing outwardly what your true nature is. And man, it feels good, doesn't it? It feels good. Even, even if we, you know, go back and forth in our minds, can I really afford to do this or, you know, all sorts of things. But then we finally follow through on the giving. It's like, wow, man, why did I even you know, have these second thoughts about this in the first place. Now, let me just build on this for just a minute more because there's, I want to come back to the joy of giving. But this is uh, one of my favorite quotes from Brother Keith Moore. He says, the greatest expression of love is giving. The greatest expression of love is giving. We are instructed in Scripture to not just love in word only, but to love in action, in deed, and in truth. Now, we should certainly not use that verse, we should not use that verse as an excuse to not express verbally our love and appreciation uh, to other people. In other words, we, we should tell people and say to them that, that we love them and that we appreciate them and that we're thankful for them. So he said, just don't do that only. In other words, if all we ever do is say it but never have any action behind it, then the Bible says it rings hollow. Or let me say it, he said it this way. To, do not love in word or tongue only, but in deed and in truth. So truth love, not just true love, but truth love, um, loving in truth is when there is an actual tangible expression uh, behind uh, the words uh, or the sentiment of, uh, of love in our hearts. And so the greatest expression of love is giving. Well, 1 John 4 and uh, 8 and then 16, both, and I'll put 16 on the screen. It says, and we've known and believed the love that God has for us, for God is love. He doesn't just have love, He is love. And He who abides in love abides in God and God in Him. So God is love. And the greatest expression of love is giving. I, I, I believe that this is a, a huge part of even why God chose to create us. Because He is love and the Bible identifies you and me as the apple of His eye or as the object of His affection. You see, when you have a heart full of love, you want to be able to express that. You, love is designed to flow. Amen. It's designed to flow from within you, out of you, into uh, lives of other people and when that love flows and is expressed um, it produces joy does it not it produces joy when love flows from you and impacts another person in in a, in a tangible way that produces joy in their lives and i've got this later down in my notes but let me just come to it right now and then that joy is reciprocal when your love produces joy in someone else's heart it then rebounds back to you and creates joy in, in your life. This is why it is more blessed to give than uh, to receive. That doesn't mean, you know, we just kick receiving to the curb, okay? Um, because if everybody's a giver and nobody's a receiver, then the givers have nobody to, to receive their gifts, right? Amen. Um, but that's the, the reciprocal effect of joy. When, when, when you express love in a way that touches someone else, that love you know, ignites joy in them, and then the joy in them is reciprocated back, rebounds back to you. Yes? I mean, I'm using words maybe you've never used in all this, but I'm, tr I'm just trying to help you understand, and so it's not a mystery uh, to us. You know, we, we hear a lot about 
the commercialization of Christmas. And certainly that's a problem. I'm, I'm not here to, to, to rail against that this morning. But, you know, I think it's extremely fitting. Listen to me now. And, and I, I believe the Word of God backs me up on this. And I believe if Jesus was standing here, he would, he would smile and nod, okay, um, or say amen. I believe it's extremely fitting that we honor Jesus' birthday by giving gifts to other people. Amen. Because the Bible is very clear that we love him by loving other people. If you say you love him but don't have love uh, for your brother, God you can't see, but you don't have love for the brother who you do see, uh, then you're a liar and the truth's not in you. So we, we see that one of the real ways that we tangibly express love to God, as important as singing to him and telling him that we love him, again, that's word only. Um, when we show love to other people, by, by, by blessing and doing things for them, giving things to them that creates joy in, in their lives, right? Are you with me? You know, um, I, I could, another one of those subjects that's very easy for me to talk about is my two grandsons. Um, and listen, they're, they're learning to share like everybody else and, and, and Jake and Bethany are doing a great job teaching them that. Um, but when... Oliver, for those of you who don't know, Oliver's the three-year-old, be four years old next uh, January the 10th. When Oliver shares something with his little brother, and there was something that I've given him, and then he shares it with his little brother, my goodness gracious. It just, you, you follow what I'm saying? There's no greater, there's, they talk about, there's no greater uh, joy than... Paul speaking about those that he's discipled when they then disciple and show that kind of love and, and affection to others. And, and you know, to, to, to see that. And, and why, is, why is that even an aspect in, in my heart? It's, it's, it's because it's an aspect in our Heavenly Father's heart. In other words, I have that in me because the God who created me in His image and likeness has that in Him. In other words, when He blesses you and then you, you use what He's blessed you with to bless somebody else, are you kidding me? See, but all, notice... What is the underlying part in all of this? Joy in your heart, joy in the heart of the person you helped, and ultimately joy in the heart of our Heavenly Father. So these things are, are extremely important for us to understand and recognize. So God is love. love the greatest expression of love is giving. Um, we have the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Romans 5, pouring out the love of God in our hearts. Amen. That's true. So if you're born again, the Holy Spirit's in you, pouring out the love of God. And this ties directly back into what Jesus said in John 13, 34. He said a new commandment. Now, prior to this, Jesus was asked by a, a lawyer, what is the greatest commandment, you know, in the Old Testament, basically. And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We don't realize that those were actually commandments from the Old Testament. But in John 13, 34, Jesus said, Now I'm giving to you a new commandment. And the new commandment is that you love others as he has loved you. You see how that's a, that's a step even above loving someone as yourself. Now you're loving as he's loved you. you say, well, how in the world could we ever do that? He's given you his nature. And he's given you his love. He would have never instructed you or commanded, excuse me, he would have never commanded you, that's a commandment, it's not a suggestion. He would have never commanded you to love other people the way he's loved you if, he, if you were incapable of doing that. So he's made it so that you're capable of loving other people the way he's loved you. Now again, we're talking about some amazing joy in the whole process. Now, let me... Um, We were singing it. it it's, it's really, I don't know if they know this or not, but it's, it's among my top three or four favorite Christmas songs, and that's Chris Tomlin's version of Joy to the World. And when he breaks into that, I, is it a bridge, joy, unspeakable joy? Over, oh, man. You know, I just, I know the people probably in the cars next to me going down the road can hear me bellowing that out, man. That's just, you know. Um, so the, the greatest gift ever given was when God gave His Son. Amen? It's the greatest gift ever given. And this greatest gift that was ever given, we could certainly make a case for it, that it met 
the greatest need that, that we would ever have, um, th that need for forgiveness of sins, that need for, uh, you know, new birth and, 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 and getting a divine do-over uh, with a, a newly created, born-again spirit. But when Jesus sent the angels to announce to the shepherds that the gift had been given that was promised, he didn't say to the angels, go tell them that I have met their greatest need. Is, is that what he said? No. He said, go tell them, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Now that ought to give us some really important insight into Father's motivations for giving. Not only is God a giver, not only does he give freely, not only does he give gener generously, he gives joyfully. Wh wh what does that mean? God is not a need-based giver. He's a joy-based giver. He doesn't give on the basis of whether or not it's needed, per se. He gives based upon the joy the gift will produce in the lives of those who receive it. So he announces joy to the world. Now, let's, let's look at, I, I know these verses are, at least this one is going to be familiar to you. John three sixteen. for God did what? He so loved the world. What's the greatest expression of giving? What's the greatest expression of love? Is giving. The greatest expression of love is giving. So this God who is love, so loved the world and every person that's, that's, that's in it, that he gave, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay, now we see the, the prophecy of this in Isaiah 9, uh, 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is, and there it is again, given. Son is given, the greatest gift. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. Now notice this last line here. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So notice, he says the gift is given hundreds of years before Jesus actually came. Because once Father decides to do something, it's done, even if it hasn't occurred yet here in this created realm. But notice what's going to perform this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts, the passion, the, the, the desire. The, that word zeal, is, it, it, it's talking about that which uh, motivates, that, that which empowers, right? And, and so God, let's add one to the list here. He, he is a zealous giver. He gives with passion. He gives with, with excitement. In other words, we see later, like in Ephesians, where it says that God did this according to the counsel of his own will. According to the counsel of his own will. What, what does that mean? It means he didn't ask you or me. He just decided to do it and give us the opportunity to become one with him, whether we accept him on that offer or not. He didn't do it based upon whether or not he thought you would receive the gift. He gave the gift and provided this opportunity. And when he gave it, what did he announce? He said, joy to the world. Joy to the world. Do you see... Father gave the gift based upon his anticipation of the joy that would be produced in your life when you receive the gift. He is a joy-based giver. Now, let's um, dig in this a little further, okay? We tend to think of God giving to us only where our need is concerned, with our greatest need being that of our eternal destination. But we also see that God has given to us for our daily needs and desires. Daily needs and desires. Let me, let me step back here for a minute. We're going to get to this a little, a little more, but I want, to, I want to just kind of plant this. I've already mentioned it a time or two, but let me plant this, okay? For those of you who are, are new to this study, we, in our understanding of giving and receiving, we've identified... The world's economy is a buying and selling economy. And, and this is how we understand exchange. It's, it's, in other words, you, you sell your time to the highest bidder. 
your talents, your, your ability, you go work for $20 an hour or, or what have you. And if you need more money, then you figure out some way to sell more time. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you, you know, want something really big you don't have the money for, you have a yard sale or, or what have you. And I'm not making light of any of that. I mean, d- d- praise God. Um, uh, do it I, d- d- if the Lord leads you to. Be led by the Spirit, all right? But that's, the, that's how the world's economy works. God doesn't operate in a buying and selling system. He operates in a sowing and reaping system or giving and receiving. Amen? Amen. But we've been indoctrinated. We've been indoctrinated into a buying and selling system. And that tends to pervert the way we hear and the way we understand and the way we try to operate in God's system of giving and receiving or sowing and reaping. Yes? All right. And, and one, one, of the, um, one of the negative effects of this buying and selling indoctrination is that giving tends to be based upon need. We tend to give based upon need, but it doesn't just affect us there. We, we not only tend to give based upon need, we tend to think in terms of what we should receive or can receive or will receive based upon our own need. Have you ever said, oh, I don't need that? Somebody trying to give you something. Oh, I don't need that. Have you ever thought that they weren't giving it to you because you needed it? Or let me, let's flip it around, okay? You're feeling led or prompted or whatever, asked to give something to somebody. And we say it this way, oh, they don't need that. They don't need that. Why, why would I do that? They don't need that. Give them that nice pair of shoes. Well, they got a nice pair of shoes. They don't need a nice pair of shoes. Am I the only person in the room that likes having more than one nice pair of shoes? But see, a giving uh, and receiving mindset doesn't look at, at the need so much as it looks at the joy that the gift will produce once received. Come on now, I feel some pushback here. Stay, stay. Well, you know, we shouldn't just be throwing our money around. No, you should be led by the Spirit. You should be led by the Spirit. But see, again, we've been so indoctrinated into this way of thinking that it not only affects um, why we give and the motives behind our gift, gifts and givings to other people. See, it, it even affects how, how, how do I say this? Um, I've, I've got many, many years of experience in the nonprofit world, right? And in the nonprofit world, it's, you know, you've all seen the, the, the television commercials where they, they, they show you... Uh, hungry children and and you know sitting on the side i'm not making fun of this please hear me but what are they trying to do they're trying to tug at your heartstrings by presenting to you this dire urgent need because we've been indoctrinated into giving solely in response to a need and so those who who want and desire and need your donations they understand that and so they, they in, an, in an effort to get your money from you, they try to present to you the most urgent need. One, one of the things that, 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 I don't know if I should say this or not, but I'm, I guess I'm going to go ahead and say it, praise God, um, is you can get people to give a lot faster to help women and children than you can to help men. It, it, it's, I mean... That's just the reality of it, right? And, you know, it's because people are, well, that man ought to go get a job. Oh, but that blessed that darling lady's heart. Let's see if we can, you know. And so, again, it's, it's this whole idea of, and maybe the man does need to get a job. I'm not, but just listen to me, please, right? I'm just trying to show you how all of these things are so woven into our mindsets and attitudes towards, towards giving. But, see, you can't separate giving it from receiving. So, if, if you are a need-based giver, it's going to make you a need-based receiver. Meaning it's, it's going to affect what you think you should be given or what you should uh, receive um, uh, from God. Are you still with me this morning? Amen? Okay, so um, let's, uh, let's talk about it. Praise God. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Now we have received. It's talking about people who've been born again. Now we have received. Not will receive, have received. If you've been born again, you've received the Spirit who is from God. Not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Okay, He's become one Spirit with your born-again Spirit, God's Holy Spirit. And notice that we've received the Spirit who is from God, among other things, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. See, we think in terms of God just doing for us what He did for us with sending His Son to this earth to be our Savior so that when we die one day we can go to heaven. And that's, you know, because that's the thing we need the most. And God met our greatest need. And thank you for that, sir. Let me tell you something. He did do what he did for you to secure your eternal destination. But as I've said over and over to you again, everything that Jesus did in his uh, uh, virgin birth, sinless life, his uh, sacrifice on the cross, his three-day burial in the, in, the, in the heart of the earth, his resurrection, his return to the right hand of the Father with a promise to come back and get you. Everything that he has done for you, the entire completed work of Jesus, he did that to secure your eternal destination, but also to provide for your daily victory in life. Your daily victory in life. Now look at this, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Come on now, we've got to get out of this need-based uh, mindset of, of giving and receiving to a joy-based. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, 18, and 19. Command those who are rich in this present age to not be rich. Is that what it says? No, it says to not be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but trust in the living God. Who does what? Who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works. See, there are a lot of folks who have a lot of money, but they're not rich in good works. They're rich in money, but they're not rich in good works. And you know what? They're miserable. They're miserable. Ready to give. Willing to share. Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So notice the scriptures here say he freely gives us all things and he gives us those things richly and he gives us those things richly so that we might enjoy them. Yet again, how many times do we read this and hear that he has freely met all our needs? It doesn't say he's freely met all our needs. It says he's freely given you richly all things to enjoy. So the world in its buying and selling economy focuses on need-based giving. If the need is great enough and the cause is worthy enough, then people will, not everyone, but some people will give. But here's, I'm going to put it on the screen. Need-based giving versus joy-based giving. We need to start thinking joy instead of need when we give. We need to start thinking joy instead of need when we give. Because until we learn to think joy instead of need when we give, we'll never learn to think joy instead of need when we receive. Is Father only interested in giving to you what you need? We got to remember. I ask you. There's some pointed questions we've 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 looked at along the way. Okay, and and one of them is: Does the Word of God? Does the word, Does God say in His Word to you and me? Either it does or it doesn't. Does the Word of God say? Does the Word of God say that? He will prosper you financially when your giving honors Him. Does it say that? Yes, it says that over and over again, Old Testament and New Testament, right? So, so he, here, here is another question. Is God only interested in giving you what you need? No, no. Because what parent among us is only interested in giving our children what they need? We want our children to have what they need, but we also want to bless our children above and beyond what they need with things that they desire, with things that they want, with things for them to enjoy. Where does the joy come for, for a parent when, when we give our children something they enjoy? We, again, it's reciprocated back to us, right? When, when, when I give John Mark something he enjoys, I, I get joy out of him enjoying it. Are you seeing this? This is not something we came up with, and this is certainly not the world's way. The, the, the ways of love and giving and joy and joy reciprocated, these are the ways of God. So again, this is, this is a critical piece of our thinking that, that needs to change. We need to start thinking joy instead of need when we give. Okay? Okay? 
Can you hang in here for just a few more minutes? Here's a, here's a verse that we certainly are familiar with. A lot of us, we've certainly used it, looked at it here already in our study currently. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7. So let each one of us give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Cheerful giver. There's some research on that word cheerful. We actually get our English word hilarious from it. Okay? And I know a lot of people, and I've probably been guilty of it before, that God loves a hilarious giver. Um, it, the, the, uh, the Greek scholars want to emphasize that, that this doesn't mean like just, you know, hilarious in the sense of, of you know, not paying attention to what you're doing or, or um, you know, pardon the tie in here, but like, you know, just get all worked up you know, drunk on emotion and, and, and just start giving stuff later that you regret. That, that's not what it means here. But it's talking about this, this deep joy that's, that's, that, that, that's in our hearts uh, as, um, as givers, okay? Now, we are reluctant to believe and receive from God beyond the perception of our need. Come on now. We are reluctant to believe and receive from God beyond the perception of our need. Oh, help me, Jesus. Y'all going to receive this in the spirit that I'm giving it to you? I'm not trying to. Listen to me now. We've got to get some of this corrected here. We are reluctant. Let let me just start here, okay? I have been and am overcoming this in my own life, okay? Reluctant to believe and receive from God beyond the perception of our need. We tend to think God only gives based upon need because that's what we do. Father gives as an expression of his true nature and for the joy it produces, both for the receiver of the gift and then back to him. Amen? Why do we give? Let's, let's, just, let's just break it down here. Why does God give and why should we give? As simple as I know how to say it, okay? Giving is something you can do. Giving is something that I can do to make someone else's life better. Right? Can we, just, can we just get it right there? Giving is something that we can do. See, now, if we, if we just will detach need from it for just a moment, okay? It's not about whether or not they need it. Quit asking that question so many times, amen? I'm feeling pushback. I'm just going to keep going here with it, right? See, well, I don't know, I don't know if they need it. Will, it. will it produce joy in their hearts? Do you have it to give? Can you do it for them? And, and, and will this be something in their lives that will impact their lives in a positive way? Will this help them? Will this make a difference for them? Will this, will this be a good thing for them? Will this, uh, will this uh, make their relationships better? Will they, are you following what I'm saying? This is, this is where we get the, the, the joy comes into all of this. See, a lot of people give because it's the right thing to do. Well, we just got to pay it forward. Well, you know, I've been so blessed, I, I, I owe it. That's grudging giving. That's giving grudgingly. See, the, when you give joyfully, it's when you sit there and think about how I, happiness and joy is not the same thing. But when you think about the smile... Amen. Anybody got a gift under a tree for somebody that they don't know about that you know, man, they, I, can't, I can't wait for them to open it, right? It's because I know the joy, that is, the, the excitement, that is, that is the, 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 the what? I didn't need this. <laughs> Amen. Are you hearing me this morning? Praise God. Get the spirit of this, even if, you, even if don't let the letter kill you, all right? Get the spirit of this. Giving is something we do to make someone's life better. You will never know till you get to heaven one day how many people's lives you've made better because you faithfully give to the work of the Lord here at Heritage Christian Center and, and other places, other ministries. The hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who've been born again in different places around the world because we've had the opportunity to partner financially with people who are willing to go and sacrifice and do what they do 
to reach people who have never heard the name of Jesus a single time. It's not just, you know, guilty Americans. We've got it so good over here, you know, we ought to just... Well, it's the least we can do, you know, to help, you know, those poor pitiful people over there. You know, so, no, you know, that, that's need-based. Get out of need-based giving and get over into joy-based giving. Every time you write that check, think about the people who are going to be born again and spend eternity on the same street with you in heaven because you gave. You did something to lighten somebody else's load. You did something to make somebody else's life a little more enjoyable, a little more fun. You realize God's into fun? God created the concept. The devil's no fun. He uses fun as a trick. He tricks people with fun. He takes death and wraps it in a facade of fun. And tells everybody that God's dry and dull and boring, don't know how to laugh, don't know how to have fun. God created you with the ability to laugh. God knows how to laugh. He knows how to have fun. And he likes his his people to have fun. Enjoy it. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy your life. The devil knows if you're selfish, you're not going to enjoy life. And so he's trying to get you to be selfish. Spend it all on you. Save it for you. Need, 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 need. Then people don't need it. You need it. What if you give it to them? They're just going to waste it anyway. They don't know what to do with it. It's just all this need, 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 need. How happy is he going to make them when you do that for them? Are you seeing this? This is how God thinks. Now, you you can take away from this whatever confusion the devil may be trying to stir up in you right now. But I'm telling you, God doesn't give based on need. He gives based upon the joy that his gift will produce in the lives of those that receive it, right? You say, Pastor Mark, I just just don't don't, don't agree with that. Well, well, how about this, okay? You understand there's like um, uh, Brother Donald sells those new GMCs, right? And you got the you got the baseline truck. I mean, it'll get you back and forth. Amen. Used to, I don't know if you can still do it, brother Don. Used to go buy a truck and didn't even have a radio in it. Can you still do that? Yeah, I don't. I think they gave up on that a long time ago, right? Anybody remember that? Used to go buy a truck, right? No radio, no air conditioner, um, heater. But you know, I mean, the engine makes heat anyway. So what's the big deal about that? You got a little heat, you know. You got to roll down your window, you know. I mean, it's uh, uh, just to just you know get you there, right? And then they got you know the different levels, all all the way up to um, I call it the Denali Ultimate, right? I mean, you open the door and the running boards come out for you. I don't, I don't, I don't even have to have running boards to get in the truck. I'm so tall, but my mama does, and my wife does. Are you hearing me? Now, what's, what's the point? If it was only about just getting you to heaven one day when you die, then Jesus could have provided a base model salvation. I mean, ain't no radio here. Ain't, ain't no radio. Ain't no joy. Ain't, 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 you know, ain't, ain't, ain't no air conditioning. It's manual. You know, I mean, you're going to you're have to shift it out if you want to drive it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, no automatic transmission or anything like that. But it'll, it'll get you to heaven. No, no, see, he, pres- he provided Denali ultimate salvation for us. He, he provided automatic running boards. He provided a, 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 a radio you can talk to and it'll talk back to you. you know, and there was all the different things, right? He didn't have to do all that. Why did he do all that for us in salvation? It's because of the joy. The joy that he, joy to the world. The Lord has come. He didn't have to. I don't need all that. That's what people say when they're buying that truck with no radio. I don't need no radio. Well, would you enjoy the radio? I mean, do you like music? Do you say, oh, I don't need all that. I'm just, you know, I can roll more. I got 440, you know, just roll the four windows down and do 40. You got you some air conditioning, right? You know, I don't need all that. God didn't give it to you because you needed it. He gave it to you because he wanted to bless you. He wanted to see the joy and the smile on your face when you begin to realize, I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. I didn't have to be made an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus to get out of hell. Healing? He didn't have to provide healing for my physical body to get my spirit to heaven one day. He didn't have to provide all that. Prosperity? The, The same blessing that was on Abraham? 
I don't need all that. Give it based on need. See, what Jesus did for you provided Father God the luxury of giving to you what he desires you to have, not what you deserve. It's not about what you deserve. It's about what he desires to give to you. He's a joyful giver. He's a joyful giver. And he wants you to learn to be a joy-based giver. How about this one right here? Hebrews 12 and 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. He did it willingly. Why? For the joy. The joy that was set before him. What, what joy does Jesus still receive to this day from what he endured 2,000 years ago at the hands of, of, of the Romans and, and the Jewish religious establishment? What joy? Do you realize every person that's born again today who receives this gift of salvation, it's joy. Jesus said, you know what? This is going to be hard. But oh, joy to the world. Joy to the world. There's joy in giving because there's joy in receiving. The joy that comes from giving is reciprocal. We have joy because the gift we gave caused joy in someone else. Now, one last, one last thought and we'll wind this down. Okay, John 16, 23 and 24. Jesus said, and in that day you will ask me nothing. It's talking about after he provides the way for us to come boldly to Father directly. In that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your need may be met. joy will be full that your joy will be full see the heart of a parent says you know what if my kids aren't happy I want them, I want them to be happy if there's something that's, that's not right with them that I can help them fix in a healthy way I'm not talking about codependency and enabling but there's something that I, that I have the resources to help them with I'm going to help them Amen. See, we read this and think there's no way that it can really mean whatever you ask. But that's exactly what it means, and that's exactly what he said. He didn't say whatever need you have. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. See, do you, do you, you, you look at it now why the devil wants us to be need-based givers because a need-based giver is going to be a need-based receiver, and a need-based giver who's a need-based receiver looks at this and thinks in terms of if we don't really, really need it, if it's not critically urgent and we can't figure out any other way to get it, we'll ask God for it. But other than that, we're not even going to ask Him. Nothing left to do now but pray. Meaning what? Meaning this need is so great that, and surely God will respond now. See, that's, that's where we're wrong and off in our thinking. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, you will receive, that your joy may be full. Stand with me this morning. Praise God. Praise the name of the living God. Praise the name of the living God. Praise the name of the living God. He's a giver. <laughs> Oh, he's a, he gives freely, he gives generously, and he gives joyfully. He enjoys giving. He enjoys giving. And I hope you figured it out by now, but if you hadn't, I hope you figured it out soon. You enjoy giving too. You enjoy it too. You were, you were made for it. Amen. 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 Father. Thank you. You tell us to imitate you, Lord, as dear children. Imitate you as dear children, Lord. 
Father, help us imitate you in this area of joyful giving. Father, thank you for what, what you've blessed us with and what you've, what you've freely given to us. And Lord, when, when we give, we're just, we're just taking what you gave us and, and passing it along to somebody else, knowing that there was a whole lot more where that came from. A whole lot more where that came from, Father. Lord, thank you for giving us this uh, ability as those created in your image and likeness to bring joy to other people through giving. Father, help us in this area of mind renewal to move beyond simple buying and selling, need-based giving, Lord, to joy-based giving. Joy that our gift will produce, even if it's in the lives of people we'll never see this side of heaven, and then the reciprocal joy that, that comes back to us because of that. Father, thank you for this gift of your son. You turned your back on him as he hung upon the cross, knowing that you'd never have to turn your back on one of us ever again. Help us, Father. Slow down and take a deep breath and enjoy this Christmas season. Thank you for your blessing upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen and amen. Tell somebody Merry Christmas. Tell the folks at the restaurant today, Merry Christmas. Tell people at work tomorrow, Merry Christmas. We love you. Thank you for being here. We'll see you Wednesday the 21st, Wednesday the 28th, and then January 1st for communion and our New Year service. You'll be blessed.